Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Basketball Conference Podcast. My name is Mike McDaniel, usually joined by Joey Weaver, of course. Joey's still in Greece, so we're finishing up the conference previews without him. And it's time to preview North Carolina with Justin Cates from inside the ACC, who's back for his third conference preview. Justin, what's going on? Not too much, just hanging out. That's what I like to hear. Well, (laughs) we're going to hang out some more. We're going to try to preview North Carolina here. Um, this could be interesting. Let's start with Larry Fedora. Uh, first, now this this has layers to it. So Larry Fedora almost left for like three different jobs a couple of years ago. Then he stuck around. And then North Carolina lost essentially their entire team to injury last year en route to a three and nine record. And then in the offseason, uh, we have ACC media days and Larry Fedora essentially has a meltdown about CTE. Yeah, I mean, their whole situation last season was just unprecedented almost. The number of injuries, uh, you know, I was thinking earlier, they should have been coached by Alan Alda because it was a ridiculous mash unit. It was just <laughs> utterly unbelievable. I really can't, I, 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 you know, and it's just one of those things that happens, uh, I guess, but like I've never seen it happen quite to that extent. Um, so the, the the record ultimately wasn't anything that I think could be blamed on Larry or, or anyone in particular. It's just something that happens. Um, but you know, in terms of the CTE comments, like you said, there are layers here. Uh, essentially the crux of it was that there isn't conclusive scientific evidence, which, you know, I guess is a fair point, maybe beside the point, but it's a fair assessment, I guess. And then he went on to kind of lament the downfall of America. Whereas if football changes too much, America will fail, which is an interesting theory that I don't know that I had considered before yeah <laughs> fedora 2020 um <laughs> so that's his that's his platform he's sticking to it yeah. um, a lot of backlash a lot of people were not happy about those comments oh but you know people are you know you know we see players committing suicide from cte and uh, layers again um yeah i mean so- football is an inherently dangerous sport if you've ever even watched a few minutes of it, you know that, especially if you've seen it at field level, even a practice, you're like, yeah, it doesn't seem safe to me at all. Um, like, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. So it feels like it's an under, not a huge leap to say, like, that's not great for your brain case. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's something to be considered, I guess. I I don't want to rip on the guy too hard for it because I think, it was maybe just an artfully phrased a lot and that he could have made his point a little clearer and better. And, uh, but it definitely was a fascinating thing to come out of the ACC media day. 
Well, we knew, we knew it was going to be a problem because the president of the university essentially came out and said, oh, I didn't know he felt that way. Uh, <laughs> which, Who did? Which, I mean, fair point. I didn't know he felt that way either. Um, it, it's never good when he says, oh, well, that's news to me. I didn't know he felt that way. Um, so that's something. That's coming off of a three and nine year and – there's a lot of question marks. So my question for you, Justin, is Larry Fedora on the hot seat? I mean, he kind of is. Um, you know, from my perspective, I, I think there's a distinct possibility that he has peaked there. Um, I, there's not necessarily any reason to say that. I, obviously, last year was an outlier. And, you know, we've kind of talked about that. The injuries, the sheer number, and so many young guys uh, were forced into action before they were ready which I think will pay dividends this year. I think they got young guys, a lot of experience and they're going to have a lot better depth this year, but you know, that, that program, I think had already been trending slightly backwards after they made the run to the ACC title game a couple of years ago and gave Clemson all they could handle. You know, it, it doesn't feel like it's been going quite the right direction. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think there's pressure to win there for him, at least to have a better season, uh, which I think is completely reasonable. And I think that they will have a better season. The The question is, to what extent? Are this, is it going to be a brief encourage, uh, improvement in wins or is it going to be you know a, a big leap forward? Um, but <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm watching Mike deal with what appears to be a very cute puppy, but <laughs> yes, um... a wild distraction. Yeah, this happens from time to time on the podcast. Um, my, my dog's here, and yeah. Anyway, um, okay, yeah, I agree with everything you just said uh, there. I, I think Larry Fedora is definitely on the hot seat. I think that there are multiple layers to it. Um, obviously, I think he should get a pass for last year going 3-9 and nine to a degree yeah. because I've never seen injuries like that before. Um, that was insane with the amount of injuries that they had. Um, but I think making those comments at the ACC kickoff is obviously something that I don't think plays in his favor. Uh, the president saying what he said about, oh, I didn't realize he felt that way. I think that's a problem. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what North Carolina looks like moving forward throughout this season, because I think the pressure will definitely mount on Fedora um, as the season moves along. Um Let's talk about the suspensions a little bit because I think it's important that we at least touch on it because it was something relatively significant or was it significant at all? I think that's a whole nother question, <laughs> uh, but it happened and North Carolina continues to find themselves in, I, I don't want to say hot water with the NCAA, but these things continue to kind of crop up from time to time with their athletics department. Um, Justin, what was your takeaway from the shoe issues that they had um, essentially you know, they had some players sell some shoes that they had, uh, you know, again, an argument for or against paying players. That's really what crops up once again. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't really know how to feel about this. I don't really care personally. Like, I think they're a bigger fish to fry um, as far as college athletics are concerned. Um, I, I'm not talking about paying players. I'm talking specifically about this issue um, it, with some of the players being suspended here for the first few games. Yeah, I mean. I think we could probably do a whole podcast just about this kind of stuff and, and in relation to the NCAA and hypocrisy and all sorts of weird layers that we could get into. And, and you know, it could trend into all sorts of directions, which seems kind of productive at this point. Um, I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. You know, they were given something. 
it implies that it's now theirs and that they could do with it which they what they want. I understand completely the other aspect that they wouldn't have gotten it if they weren't players. I don't know. There, it just doesn't seem like that big of a thing. You know, I know for a fact guys when I was in school would get the gifts from the bowl game and a lot of them already had whatever it was that they received. And so they maybe were counter uh, or not counter. They were just, uh, you know, entrepreneurially entrepreneurial. I can't say the word right now. It's a difficult thing. It's they yeah. were industrious young men who turned yes. around and made a small profit off of an organization that makes an extraordinary profit. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, not that big a thing. It's, it's just at the end of the day that I, I agree. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I don't want to speak too intelligently on it because I don't think I'm capable of speaking too intelligently on it, quite <laughs> frankly. So I'll leave it kind of where it's at. They sold the shoes. They got in trouble. Players were suspended, mostly reserves. One guy who wasn't a reserve that actually is pretty important to this year's team is quarterback Chaz Surratt. Um, suspended now for the first four games. Uh, Nathan Elliott is now your starting quarterback. Uh, the thing that was funny about this is that Larry Fedora essentially announces on the same day that Chaz Surratt and the rest of the players are suspended that, oh, we're going to name a starting quarterback and it's Nathan Elliott. So I would have loved to have been in that room to ask him, well, what has Nathan Elliott done to earn the starting quarterback job? That would yeah. have been that would have been the million dollar question. It's true. And, and like you said, that's no small loss. Uh, you know, Chaz is one of those young guys who was thrown into the fire last year by default. And, you know, I think he he showed a lot of flashes. He shows some potential. He's uh, he's got a, a good future ahead of him, I think, if if he, you know, gets back on the field. And I think, you know, I, I really Maybe Nathan Elliott is going to be the guy and he's going to impress everybody, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Chaz Surratt plays this year, uh, either because, you know, Nathan isn't performing or if, you know, there's another injury, you know, heaven forbid, uh, you know, you, you almost root for them regardless of your affiliation at this point to just have a healthy season for everybody because it's just like, boy, they deserve it. If anybody in the country deserves to have a break in terms of injuries, it's North Carolina. Yeah, so I think they almost have to be better by default. Uh, whether or not they'll be better at quarterback kind of remains to be seen. Nathan Elliott did get some time um, at quarterback last year. He was 75 of 146. That's essentially a little over 51% of his passes completed uh, a year ago. 10 touchdowns to five interceptions. He played most of the latter part of the season for them. Uh, North Carolina was shuffling players in at a lot of different positions last year. Uh, quarterback was, of course, one of them. Um Looking ahead now to the 2018 season um, and, and this roster. So you have Nathan Elliott, a quarterback. Um, you do have some experience on offense. Daz Newsome coming into his second year, showed flashes last year at wide receiver. That name will, of course, haunt Virginia Tech fans. His older brother, Dion Newsome, uh, was a member of the Hokies up until a year ago. Um, Daz Newsome is a guy the Hokies pursued quite heavily. And, of course, Daz ultimately chose to play football in North Carolina. Um, had a decent year for them last year, 18 catches, 227 yards uh, for him on the year. Also emerged as a as a player in the return game as well, um, a role that I think he'll continue to take on this year. What do you think of this offense, Justin, just from, you know, a thousand feet up? I mean, just looking at this team, because offensively last year they were okay um they sputtered a little bit it was clear they were young but they do have some talent 
Yeah, I mean, Michael Carter is a really good back, I think, who showed another one of those young guys who was thrust into things and showed a lot of potential. Um, you know, their offense is the thing that Larry Fedora hangs his hat on. He's known for these wide open, uh, you know, offenses are going to run up points. Uh, it was tough last year, obviously, for very obvious reasons, but they've got talent um, and, and the running back position in particular, you know, you like Jordan Brown and Michael Carter, I think, are, are a really talented duo that could be very exciting. You know, they, they lose some guys here and there, but uh, ultimately, I think that'll be a unit that's improved, again, almost by default. But, um, you know, I think it'll be enough to 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 take them to a handful of wins more than last season. The question is, is just how many and how far can they really grow, especially with a quarterback issue? Um, it's just such a question mark for me. I'm not really sure what to expect out of that group. Um and, you know, the receivers, you know, you're going to have to replace some guys there. Austin Prohl is a big name that I, I kind of think of offhand who's uh, making noise here and there in Bill's camp because, you know, I follow that because I have problems. Um, it's <laughs> I, have a, I have a terrible Buffalo problem. It's not, nothing to be dealt with easily. But, um, you know, overall, I think uh, the Tar Heels are going to be improved on offense. Uh, I think the running game will improve even more just because those guys have more experience and um you know, that takes a lot of pressure off the quarterbacks like we talk about a lot. I think at the very least, we can expect a pretty strong running game um, between Michael Carter and Jordan Brown, who will continue to carry the load for them. Um, they still have a little bit of talent at receiver. Like you mentioned, Austin Prohl's gone. Um, Anthony Ratliff-Williams is still there. Um, he'll be the go-to guy in the receiving game. I think Daz Newsom. I'm really interested to see how he performs this year in a much yeah. bigger role, more expansive role. Um because he's an electric player, a lot of speed. Um, if we know anything about the Larry Fedora offense is that they like to have those electrically fast athletes on the outside. Um, that's something that they've had there for a while. Um, Daz Newsom fits right into that mold. So I think he's going to be a really exciting player for them this year. Uh, I think it's safe to say, though, that outside of the running game and depending on what they get out of quarterback, the real question mark with this team as a whole is on the offensive side because the defense, while the defense hasn't been great, especially since Gene Chizik left, they do return eight starters. So I think the fair expectation is that the defense will take a step forward. Yeah. I mean, that's another place where some of these young guys were thrust into things. They do have some veterans. Um, Cole Holcomb is a guy that I think will be kind of the, the bell cow, the leader of that unit. Um, he's an incredibly productive linebacker. He's uh, he's going to be right there in the mentions for an all ACC kind of a season, I think as, as a senior, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Jalen Dalton's another name that I've, uh, I've kept an eye on. He's, he was a highly sought after recruit. He's, He's been productive and I think can take an even bigger step forward as, as a guy along the defensive line. Miles Wolfolk in the backfield was a guy who kind of caught my eye a little bit. Again, I just like the name Miles. I, I don't know why. And he spells it with a Y, which I, I think adds another layer. This That's is not. Yeah, I mean, this isn't really useful analysis, but it's a thing that I think about way too much. <laughs> the names of college football players, I, I really enjoy it because sometimes you'll get really, really weird ones and it's just, it's just fun. Well, here's a name on defense that will haunt Virginia Tech fans because he was a Tech target. Uh, Tamon Fox, he's a guy that the Hokies were pursuing pretty heavily. And I remember when he signed with North Carolina, I was like, man, that's a bummer because he could be a really outstanding player. Uh, well, he steps into a much bigger role there on defense. He had 23 tackles last year, but he's going to step into a much bigger role there at defensive end for them. Uh, 
like you mentioned, Cole Holcomb, very good player, led the team in tackles last year with 93. He's a guy who's going to step in and, and play well for them um, and be the leader of that defense. But I think the real question with the defense, even though they return eight starters, is, okay, this is now the second full year since Gene Chizik's been there, uh, at least a defensive coordinator. Like, what are they going to get on that side of the ball? Even though they do return eight starters, um, I and even though I do think offense is the bigger question mark, uh, just because of quarterback play and lack of playmakers um, or lack of experienced playmakers, rather, I, it really makes me wonder on the defensive side. Even though you return eight starters, like how productive is this unit going to be, and what's a fair expectation for them? Um, it, it's a tough. It's it's a tough draw with the schedule. They're going to be facing a lot of high powered offenses. It just makes me wonder. Like, is their pass rush and secondary? built to hold up against these types of teams yeah i mean that's that's a fair question i'd i'd be remiss if i didn't mention miles dorn who's another uh, defensive back named miles uh and was actually really productive last year he has 71 total tackles uh made a couple of plays in the in the passing game i think yeah they, there's just a lot of young talent the question is you know will it kind of coalesce into a, a really great unit already um because there are a lot of raw prospects but they're they're just they're very quick i think they're talented um you know and they got a lot of valuable reps last year and so you know i, I think there's a lot of potential there but yeah I, there's just a lot of question marks too we've named a lot of young guys on both sides of the ball so i think for purposes of this exercise we can probably skip player to watch on offense player to watch on defense like my guy would have been Tamon fox on defense um on offense it would have been daz newsome uh even though he's not technically a new guy um he's He's going to take on a much bigger role. He's going to be a really important player. Yeah, he's a, he's a, th yeah. those are good breakout candidates, uh, regardless of how much playing time they got. And yeah, I think there's just so many possible guys who you're going to see that you're just going to say, oh, oh, wow, where did that guy come from? And if you were watching last year, even after things got rough for Carolina, it, they were they were there and they were they were coming along. That's that's the thing about this team, too. Like we can sit here and we can name breakout guys that are like freshmen, but a lot of these guys who are kind of breakout players for them have already played last year just due to the attrition alone. Um, so these are guys that, you know, you've heard of if you're a North Carolina fan, but we'll take on a much bigger role here this year as the year goes on. Justin, let's take a look at the schedule because uh, they <laughs> uh, look, the Tar Heels went three and nine last year. Again, full disclosure, I have no idea what's going to happen in the ACC this year. Yes, this is an ACC football podcast. I followed the ACC religiously. I should know or have a better idea of what's going to happen than I do. I have no idea what's going to happen with North Carolina. I've said this in a lot of the previews. I don't have a clue this year what's going to happen in this conference. So many question marks, mostly a quarterback. This team's no different. Let's look at the schedule. Yeah, let's. All right, so we've been ch chalking these up as surefire wins, surefire losses, and toss-up games. Uh, for the sake of this exercise... I think it's safe to say at Miami on September 27th, even though even though North Carolina nearly knocked off Miami last year. Going to Miami on September 27th seems like a surefire loss to me. I think that's fair. I think Miami is going to be a surefire loss for a lot of people this year. Obviously, they're immensely talented. They're a top 10 team, at least in theory. That's <laughs> the preseason polls are, are worth very little, but um you know that's that's going to be a challenge for for anybody, and it's certainly no different for North Carolina. I they've got a rough schedule in terms of especially the out of conference games are, are 
pretty stout. Uh, opening at Cal is such a trap, and obviously Cal was not not a good situation last year necessarily. So it, it was, and then you've got UCF on there. They have a new coach, but they're still UCF, and I think they still have enough talent to beat a lot of people. In terms of surefire wins, the only ones that I see are the directional Carolinas. Um, <laughs> At East Carolina and Western Carolina at home, you're not yeah. you're not losing to Western Carolina November seventeenth. It's just not going to happen, um, unless again the mash unit returns. But I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't. <laughs> I mean, to North Carolina's credit, they were one of the worst teams in college football last year, and they beat Western Carolina sixty five to ten. See, so see, I like I like their chances against uh, Western Carolina. They did not play East Carolina last year. East Carolina is a really bad football team. Yeah. Um, Scotty Montgomery just named a starting quarterback, and I'm not even sure East Carolina fans know who he is. So <laughs> that team's going to be a mess. I like North Carolina's chances in that game as well. Those will be my two surefire wins against the directional Carolinas. My one surefire loss will be against Miami and then maybe at home against UCF, but it's a home game. And there are a lot of questions with UCF. They, they yeah. have Mackenzie Milton, really talented quarterback, one of the top five or six quarterbacks in all college football. Uh, but they don't have Scott Frost anymore, and what's that worth? I, I don't know. We'll find out. It's a fair point. Yeah, I, the the coaching change is a big variable there, and and yeah, there's always some roster turnover. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be a challenge regardless, and it should be an interesting game to watch. Actually, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the opener against Cal. I don't know what's going to happen with Cal this year. I don't know if they'll be any good or not. That's a complete toss-up game. All I know is that ACC teams going out west for openers overall, not a great track record. No, and I mean, like I said, just opening with that, I guess I guess it's an advantage in, in terms of, or versus, you know, doing that during the season and, and having to totally rearrange your schedule during the season. You can kind of build up to it. It's a September 1st game, and, and you'll, you'll at least have that in your back pocket, I guess, but it's just not, yeah. Making that trip is not a fruitful experience for pretty much anybody that tries to do it. And, you know, I, I, I also don't know very much about Cal. I don't think they're going to be very good because they haven't been that great recently. Um, they've had some weird coaching turnover too. And I just, I don't know. It's, it's not Aaron Rodgers Cal anymore, but it's still going to be a formidable opponent and just kind of a weird scenario going all the way out there. Uh, to a really cool stadium that's built along a fault line of, you know, a fault. That's a terrible idea. Strawberry Canyon represent. I, I so I, uh, I actually saw their stadium uh, a couple of months ago. I was out there for work and I nice. saw their stadium. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah. It's like kind of on a hill. It's in a weird location. It's like kind of on a <laughs> hill, like on the side of a mountain. It's in a really weird spot. Uh, like you said, though, these aren't your grandfather's golden bears. So I don't even know what that means, but I don't think I don't think Cal's going to be that good. I mean, Cal barely beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill last year. It's a complete toss-up game, coin flip. North Carolina, for their sake, I hope they win it because uh, after that, slim pickings. So let's play this out, Justin. Let's say North Carolina wins the opener against Cal. Let's say they go on the road to East Carolina, like we like we said earlier, they win that game. They're two and zero. Then they have home against UCF, home against Pitt, and at Miami. True or false? North Carolina wins more than one game in that stretch. Uh, Which means I'm, I'm, I'm going to say false. Yeah, me too. Um, but it really is a toss-up. I just I don't. I, I, they're not. I, they're not going to beat Miami. I don't see that at all. 
I think Pittsburgh's going to be pretty solid this year. I feel pretty good about the Panthers, although there are questions there, but I think they're going to be much better than last year. And again, I just think UCF almost by default is a, is a better team right now, but that could go any number of directions. I just don't have a super optimistic feeling for this run, and it doesn't get a whole lot easier after that. Yeah, so they got a bye week after the Miami game. Uh, real quick, uh, the UCF game, I was thinking about this, so Mackenzie Milton might have a field day against North Carolina's defense. That could be a major problem. Yeah, that's uh, fair. But we kind of already said that kind of in passing. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't love that stretch. They do have a bye week before they host Virginia Tech. I don't think it matters to you. Uh, not that much. And this is the part where we say we're tech alums and full disclosure, we're real sorry about the rain game. Like, it's just a thing that happened. I don't really care anymore, but I think they do. And this has become like kind of a rivalry and it's fun. I think, um, you know, Carolina ruined the Frank Beamer send off. They, they, they won in Blacksburg and, you know, it's just one of those things that I think has been kind of a fun back and forth. And uh, almost everyone has kind of picked North Carolina as a default rival at this point because of all the weird NCAA things, I think. And um, I don't know. It's just an interesting game. And, yeah, I, I think having a buy definitely helps. But between Miami and Tech, that's a heck of a run there. And and then it doesn't get easier because the next week they head to Syracuse. And no one has a fun time in the Carrier Dome. I've been there. Syracuse is, Syracuse is coming off of a buy too. I didn't know that, but you know, you don't mess with Dino Babers and the, the orange orange is the new fast fast. That's, that's what they do. It's, it's exciting. They beat, they beat people there. They beat tech. They've beat Clemson. Uh, th- that's just not a place that you go and have a fun time. So I, I don't know. That's a tough one. It's a question mark for me, for everybody that goes there. I really think that they don't win many games, but they win a lot of games. that seem to matter. <laughs> they pick and choose. Yeah. They pick the big ones and they, they do they, well. they definitely pick their spots they beat virginia tech a couple years ago they beat clemson there last year they pick their spots yeah. um yeah uh yeah we i was watching uh, uh tangent real quick i was watching college game day scoreboard earlier and they were talking about jim harbaugh at michigan and they were saying okay jim harbaugh we're not sure if he's on the hot seat what games does he have to win they're like, oh, Jim Harbaugh, he doesn't have to win any game. Like, he doesn't have to win all the games, but he has to win a couple of them, namely Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Like, yeah. the fan base doesn't really care what happens in between. Like, if you beat the rivals, like, you can stick around for a little while. So, matter. Do you know Babers seems to be winning, like, a couple games a year that matter, even though that team has been 3-9, and 3-9, and 3-9. and nine. You know what I mean? 3-4. and right. four yeah, and it, it, I mean, it helps that he's a likable guy. Jim Harbaugh is legitimately crazy, but that also helps him, I think. Like, it's just, I don't know. There's a cult of personality around almost every head coach to some level, and it's just an interesting thing to watch from afar when you're not part of that program. And, um, yeah, I think I think Dino has done a really good job, honestly. I think they were a lot closer to being good than their record indicated. Uh, uh, this is kind of a side tangent entirely because we're supposed to be talking about north carolina i think <laughs> but it's uh we are that's okay yeah it's uh no i i think that's a challenging game i think at virginia is a challenging game we've talked about them a lot in all of the podcasts it feels like at least the ones i've been involved with i think they're just such a wild card i think they're going to be good um or at least goodish um georgia tech at home i think is a tough one although it is at home and it's homecoming uh yeah that's a tough way to start november and then you turn around, and you play Duke, which is a little early in the year. I, I feel like uh, that game crept up a little bit. It's usually end, end of the season, but um, you know, 
that and then NC State to close the year this year. Boy, that's a tough stretch. I, it's just there's not a lot of let up there for a team with so many question marks. C- completely agree. Um, I, you know, North Carolina has to almost be better by default. I feel like how much better is the real question. Um, all right, Justin. Record prediction. Well, it's a bit of a cop out because I'm not going to necessarily pick specific games because we kind of already went through that and it's hard. <laughs> um, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It, uh, apart from like one or two spots, it's really, really challenging. Um, I, I, with not a lot of thought about it, I went through a quick run through earlier and I came up with five and seven, which is an improvement. I could easily see them flipping that. Um, if everything falls into place, they stay healthy and their quarterback play is, is okay. Even if it's just okay, I think they'll be much better and they'll be able to to sneak out the kind of uh, the games that we might consider pushes right now. The Syracuse, the Virginia, um, the Duke, those kind of games. Uh, and that's where the record is going to be made is if you have an opportunity and you win those games, yeah, you're going bowling. If not, if you drop too many of those games, you're going to be at home again. And then there are questions about your head coach because it's like, boy, man, it's a little better, but it wasn't that much. And what are we doing? And, you know, there's a lot riding on this season, I think, for for Larry Fedora, for North Carolina, for the whole athletics department, frankly. There's just a lot of baggage with this program right now. And, uh, you know, winning more games than not would be, a, would be a lot to salve a lot of wounds there. I'm going to go with four and eight, and I'm going to go out on the limb and say this is Larry Fedora's last year at North Carolina voluntarily or not okay now that's that's a better <laughs> question so do you think so, so here you go follow up to that follow up to that question do you think that larry fedora missed his window of opportunity yes i yes. think i think yeah his stock was a lot hotter a couple of seasons ago and again everyone is going to understand last year um and even if this year isn't amazing i think they'll maybe understand that but he's not the hot commodity that he was perceived as being a few years ago when like i said they were running to the acc title game they were making uh you know eight and ten win seasons at a place that hasn't seen that many of them uh, you know carolina has a strong track record for the most part it, you know, more than you would think for being a quote-unquote basketball school but this is the basketball conference podcast so this kind of thing happens all the time um you know i i think that they uh I think they have a chance to to maybe make him. And if he wins like eight games this year, then yeah, maybe all of a sudden people are like, yeah, okay, it was just that one year. Let's let's sign him up. But yeah, I think I think the uh, the stock has cooled considerably. If North Carolina wins eight games, something went absolutely insane. Like something crazy happened. I don't know. Um, yeah. So if he goes five and seven or four and eight, like we're predicting. Uh, I think the school fires him. If he goes seven and five, I think he fires himself. And what I mean by that is I think he resigns and tries to go somewhere somewhere else and say, oh, look, I turned it around. Um, th- I think he misses window of opportunity as well. Granted, I'm not sure his options were nearly as sexy as, you know, a lot of people were saying that they were. I think his real option to leave was for Baylor. And, you know, truth be told, like, more power to you, Larry Fedora, if you don't want to take the Baylor job. Yeah, it takes, understandable. It takes a special individual to step in there after everything that had gone down there. Um, yeah, so Duke and North Carolina have been our last two previews here, which is kind of ironic. Um, we're finally done with all of our season previews. It's kind of ironic now because 
you know, the basketball conference podcast, the namesake is essentially due to North Carolina and Duke being basketball schools and kind of bringing prestige to the ACC because of the basketball aspect of things. Um, full circle. Ironically enough, it's full circle, and they are the last two teams we previewed. Uh, and with that, I have no idea what's going to happen in the ACC this year, Justin. Um, Clemson's damn good. Miami's pretty good. <laughs> Outside of that, coin flip games. I have no idea. I don't know what happened on this podcast, so I think it's fair to say that I don't know what the season's going to be. But I don't know. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I love the ACC as a conference. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's way better than people give it credit for. I think there are a lot better teams than maybe people realize. And I think that we'll be surprised by at least one or two of them. Uh, it could be North Carolina. I, I, I really think that. I think it could be North Carolina. It could be Duke. It could be a lot of these teams. And so, Pitt, UVA. Yeah, the pure unpredictability of it, I think, makes it so much more attractive than some of the other conferences. That it's like, well, you know, these guys are going to be great. Um, it, it should be a lot of fun. It's going to be a wild ride. And I'm looking forward to it, being along with everybody who's listening. And we'll, we'll go through this together. We're going to get through this, people. Well, go find Justin stuff at Inside the ACC and at Best Kates on Twitter. Um, we'll just wrap this thing up, Justin, because I don't know what else to say about North Carolina. Yeah, no, I agree. Let's do it. All right, cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mike McDaniel CFB. Follow Joey Weaver, who will be back on the very next podcast to do our ACC season preview, and we'll get into week one. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at FTRS Joey. You can harass him because pictures of Greece are outrageous anyway. Um, but, you know, I'm extremely jealous that he got to go to Greece. Uh, so you can harass him at FTRS Joey on Twitter or tell him that you miss him. Either way. Uh, you can follow our podcast on Twitter at BC Podcast ACC. Find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference. Uh, find us on the Overcast app. Of course, iTunes, Google Play. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, go check us out there. Rate and review us both on Facebook and iTunes. We would like more ratings and reviews. If you haven't done that yet, why haven't you? What are you waiting for? It's really easy. It takes like 30 seconds. Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Justin hasn't done it yet. I'll but do it later. I will. He'll do it later, and he's a guest on the show, so I'm going to cut him a little credit. For for those of you who aren't guests on the show, what the hell are you doing? Go rate and review the podcast. It's great. It helps us. It'll be good. There'll be more content. It's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, find find us on email if, if you do that thing. <laughs> Sorry, that sounded like an old person's thing. Find <laughs> us on the email. <laughs> find us on the email thing. Send us your angry letters, care of Joey Weaver at... Yes, find us on, find us on the Google machine. Um, no, seriously, email us. Uh, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Really long email. Make sure to check us out there. <sighs> what else? I think we're good. I think that's it. Yeah, good enough. All right. Justin, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Let's do it again. Uh, for Justin Cates and for myself and for Joey Weaver... We'll do this again, like we always do. I'm Mike McDaniel. Until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.